this day in 1969, Buggles were at number one with Video Killed, uh, the radio star, a studio band featuring producer Trevor Horn. Famously, it was the first ever music video shown on MTV in the US. It was a big hit in England, but uh, unknown in America. Uh, radio stations weren't playing the song, and almost no one in the US had heard of the Buggles. So it was clear that MTV were the ones selling the records. Producer writer Trevor Horn said, I got so fed up doing things that weren't successful, I decided that if I couldn't find a good artist and a good song, then I'd write one myself and become the artist. And hence this song here. Big in its day, wasn't it? Oh, huge. I still probably know all the words. Do you? That's taking up space in my brain <laughs> I could use for something like I don't know. How to better, <laughs> better grow a garden? I don't know. Um, it, it was. Um, I don't know if you were uh, as familiar with the song as Joe McCarroll, Raj. I do know the song in two versions. One um, in its in the version that you know it, and also it was very successfully ripped off in the early eighties in India in a Bollywood song. Was it? And so uh, that's probably the version in which I first encountered it. Um, so that then this later on came to seem like the ripoff, but um, <laughs> I figured out the order afterwards. Oh my god, if the panel ever does karaoke, Raj, that is your song. I will yep. do the Bollywood ver- version. <laughs> you do the Bollywood oh. version. I'm going to try and find it. I'll actually, post really. the YouTube link. Um, I could post the YouTube link later. It goes awa awa. Um, <laughs> can you can you do that? We'll try and play it toward the end of the show. Sure. Uh, the Bollywood version of Buggles. Uh, video killed the radio star. Kia ora, Raj. It's uh, 24 to 5. The panel, RNZ National. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern says funding will continue for a school Shakespeare competition after Creative NZ initially decided to stop it. Creative NZ declined the proposal of $31,000, which would go towards funding the centre from 2023 to 2025. Uproar was swift. We collectively put down our Jody Pico and became a nation of Shakespeare lovers. But real issues says our the real issue says our next guest is arts funding full stop. The sector has barely scraped through, and some fairly weighty groups are missing out entirely, putting them at peril. The likes of the Auckland Fringe, Dunedin Fringe, New Zealand Fringe, and I could go on. With us is Dr. James Wenley, a lecturer in theatre at Te, Te Heringawaka, Victoria University. Dr. Wenley, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. Good to be here talking about the arts. And it's good to have you on because, um, let's just face it, uh, James, the arts gets very little cut through. So this Shakespeare brouhaha is a prime example to raise attention to it. That's right. So there's been a lot of focus on Shakespeare, um, the funding there. The much bigger issue is actually that the pot of money for everybody is so tiny. Um, So there's a lot of other stories of really good artists and arts organisations that are missing out at the moment. Going to the war and looking at the money. So CNZ had to stretch nine million bucks across four arts rounds compared with $17 million the year before. What's going on? Well, had some support through the pandemic, um, which was much needed, and that's been really tough. Now, everything's been back. Creative New Zealand is saying that they have very limited financial flexibility for the next four years. And actually, this is the moment where we need support the most. Um, You've got the cost of living crisis that we're all dealing with, high inflation. It's really expensive to make art. 
um, there's a real skills shortage um, with experienced arts workers leaving because there's not enough money. And if we want to really see arts thrive in this country, not just survive, uh, we need to really grow that pie and get a lot more funding and resource into Creative New Zealand and the arts sector overall. Yeah, so it's not just Shakespeare Raj. No, um, I mean, I have a vested interest in speaking up for the arts as a creative writer, but um, but listen up, you know, I, I remember a wonderful point made in an article during the lockdowns of 2020 about all the shows that we were watching to pass the time and everything our kids were watching to fill the time. And, uh, and the article made the point, what was all of that? It was the arts. And that's just one example. But I would say that we could all take a look at our day and notice for ourselves the, what indispensable roles the arts, whether it's music, shows, gallery visits, books, films, even radio and TV, the festivals on our streets, they play in, in, the, in our enjoyment and in the enhancement of our everyday lives. And then we can ask ourselves, do we only want all of that content to come to us from overseas and from corporate entities overseas? Or, and are our own people who are reflecting our lives here not to have an opportunity or support to tell their stories? And, you know, this is what art support is about. It's about the joy of seeing that content, but also having a chance to participate for yourself and it requires support at all levels. And that's what we mean when we talk about supporting the arts. I mean, I agree. I think you're with... absolutely, sorry, you're absolutely right, Raj. There's really strong research about suggesting the mental health benefits of the arts. So when we fund the arts, we're not just funding the arts projects themselves, but we're funding health, we're funding well-being, we're funding community, and it supports jobs. So it's a real win. Absolutely. I've got a question for you, James. Um, I don't want to get sort of too into the weeds on this, but like Raj, I've got lots of friends in the arts. I've got lots of friends who've worked for different arts funding bodies. And what I've really heard from them universally is that when the pool of funding is so limited and so contested, it almost becomes professionalised. So you get a sort of a calibre of people getting funded whose key skill is getting funded. Um, And it, it sort of locks out perhaps... Um, new artists, emerging artists, people who are less entrenched in some of those systems of power. I don't know if that's something you've observed or if you had any idea how we could um, democratise that funding. Yeah, I think that's one of the great constraints that when there's uh, such scarcity that it's only the people that uh, already have some resourcing that can put the time in to do all of these funding applications. Um, You know, that's one of the big... Uh, burdens of independent arts practitioners is you spend so much unpaid labour putting in these arts funding proposals that may or may not even get funded. So I think it's really looking at that big picture that yes we want to support strong organisations but we also need to have enough funds that are actually targeted um, for independent emerging people. Um, We've got to support everyone um, right from the people at the bottom to the top. Yeah, why don't you get in touch? Email me, the panel at rnz.co.nz if you are an, art, an arts practitioner in the creative sector and you've really gone to the wall, you've tried your CNZ funding because I understand it's quite a complicated process and you haven't had much luck or funding has been pulled. I'd be interested in uh, hearing from you. Um, uh, Dr. Wenley, some might say, some panel uh, listeners might say, look, 
why the heck do we need arts funding when we have potholes to fix? Well, I think, I think actually the arts make a really huge contribution to um, helping pave over the potholes of society. Um, they, they, oh, as I tough. say, they're, they're, they're so important for um, our well-being, for participation. Um, for me, arts isn't elitist. It's for everybody. And if we want it to stay for everybody, we need to make sure that it gets adequate funding and resourcing. So I'd love to see the government step in and intervene, not just to support Shakespeare Globe um, Centre New Zealand, but also to support more organisations and Let's Double Creative New Zealand's um, funding. Good on you, James Kiora. Thank you for being with us. That's Dr James Wendley, a lecturer in theatre at Te Herangawaka, Victoria University, making the case for growing that pie in the arts sector. What sort of enjoyment do you get, uh, listeners, out of your theatre your local books, your local novelist, a poetry reading, um, a, a, da- a piece of dance, an opera, ballet, um, kapahaka. Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, or, or do you get no enjoyment at all? You'd apply for CNZ, wouldn't you, uh, Raj? Um, I have done in the past and, you know, uh, with mixed results. Uh, but the greater point is, I mean, a very good example comes to mind. Uh, and I'd be really interested in how economists would uh, quantify the totality of this experience was the Diwali celebrations that we had in Wellington on Sunday at the Michael Fowler Center. And this enormous mass of people came and participated uh, both on stage and by being in the audience and, you know, visiting the stalls. And the and all of the feelings of belonging, well-being, connection, and the ways in which that rests within us as we then go away, how do you quantify that? But also, how do you overlook it? Um, Another one here, another victim of CNZ's access ends it on tour. For 25 successful years, this program has been providing emerging and established music performers with nationwide exposure. It has taken them to far-flung small-town locations uh, where they grace the stages of a tiny theatres. 15 to 5, the panel, we're trying to get you... that You want to you wanna hear the Bollywood version of Video Killed the Radio Star. We are, we are working... We are working... In fact, uh, in fact, Newsflash, we have it for you, and we'll play it um, very soon. But to this first, a global tech company that predominantly employs staff on the autism spectrum is setting up shop in New Zealand in partnership with Autism NZ. The social enterprise employs 265 autistic people worldwide, making up 70% of the company's total workforce and is now looking for talented New Zealanders to join their team. According to Autism NZ, it is estimated less than 10% of Kiwis who have been diagnosed as autistic are in full-time employment. Bono Mann is the Chief Executive Officer and Managing Director of Autocon Australia. He's with us on the line. Bono, welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Interesting topic, this one. Um, I'd like to know more about the company. I mean, how was Autocon established? Yeah, no, it's it's a fascinating time. So 
Um, Articon is a global uh, enterprise, so we are basically defined as a social enterprise. We were formed about 11 years ago at the time by a German entrepreneur whose son was on the spectrum, and he was disenchanted with the career outlook and the job prospects for people on the spectrum. So he set it up as a social enterprise. Uh, it attracted the attention of Sir Richard Branson, subsequently, who is now an equity shareholder. The Porsche Family Trust is involved, and uh, two venture capital funds. And basically, 11 years later, we're in nine countries around the globe. Uh, the latest one, that's why I'm in Auckland at the moment, we're just in the process of setting up uh, Otico New Zealand. And uh, it is certainly an exciting time. And what makes us probably unique, it's worthwhile just adding that, is we have this 360 support model where we have our own job coaches uh, on our payroll. We have so-called tech leads as well. And we provide this holistic coaching and support model, which allows us to basically assure um, you know, value-added outcome for our partners and clients, basically. Uh, let's, let's go straight to our panelist, Joe. Your thoughts or questions on this? Well, I think it's a great initiative. Um, I you. think, you know, diversity is a strength, including neurodiversity. Um, I think there are communities of people who are not able to contribute to their potential, and that is a loss for yeah. us as a society. But I guess I'm, I'm thinking this is, um, is a risk it'll be a bit of a silo, that this is a space where autistic people work. Mm-hmm. Do we also need to skill up in terms of all workplaces to recognise where we have to... Um, stretch or what changes we need to make to ensure that people coming to the table with a diversity of strengths and skills um, can contribute? Like, do we need to make changes in workplaces to make them more um, places where people who are neurodiverse can function effectively and feel welcome and feel, you know, they're welcome at the table? Look, I 100% agree to that, if I may just jump in there. And and our mission is basically not just to provide meaningful employment for autistic talent, but we want to basically put this, you know, drive this paradigm shift that, um, you know, achieving social impact is not mutually exclusive to to basically adding sustainable value in a corporate world. And so we are not a charity. Uh, We're certainly not a recruitment company. And we want to basically uh, prove to the world that um, uh, a for-profit uh, business can also have a material social impact. Uh, Raj? Yeah, I mean, this is potentially wonderful news because, as Joe said, not only does it give a range of neurodivergent people an opportunity to um, share their many abilities and make great contributions, um, it would help the wider community to uh, create to have a much greater awareness of all of these abilities that perhaps we overlook. So I would love to learn about Oticon's work in other countries when it comes to has it actually affected uh, uh, broader business practice? Have other companies kind of realized this great pool of talent they're missing out on? And has it started to change both employment practice and legislation? Uh, Absolutely. So over the last 11 years, um, we obviously grew out of Germany into four other European countries. Four years ago, we went across the Atlantic into the U.S. and Canada. 
three and a half years ago, we started operations in Australia and basically as of today uh, in New Zealand. And if you look at it holistically, there are probably three important dimensions. So the individual itself, uh, if you look at the stats, and New Zealand will be very similar to the Australian stats, 34% of autistic talent uh, are actually, or autistic individuals are actually unemployed. Uh, If you look at the underemployment rate, that is actually 90%. So you have some highly qualified, unique individuals who are completely underutilized. So, so from an individual perspective, suddenly they are employed, they can contribute to society, uh, they can you know, uh, afford their own lifestyle, huge change there. Uh, if you look at from a society, you have uh, a whole group of individuals who can actually function and add uh, to the community and to society as a whole. And the third component would be the corporate, the individual. I mean, as we all know, there's a humongous skill gap uh, pretty much all around the world. And that did help us at least to pop up on the radar screen as an alternative talent source, particularly in the tech space. So um, from a corporate perspective, you know, there are huge benefits. And if you look at the holy grail of corporate success, it is innovation. And in order to achieve innovation, you need to have a very mixed team with different ideas, different ways of of problem solving. And by definition, neurodiverse individuals can do that because they have a very different thought process. We'll have to leave it there, but uh, thanks for enlightening us on this and I look forward to see how uh, Autocon uh, goes here. That's Bodo Mann, the uh, Chief Executive Officer of Autocon uh, Australia. It's nine to five. I wanted to play a snippet of this. You've been asking for it. Um, We played Video Killed the Radio Star. Rajoshi Chakrabordi said, hang on. There's a better version of that. Not better, just a a Bollywood version, but a version (laughs) I grew up with. All right, well, here's a snippet. Raj, thank you. You've done it again. It's better. It's better. Wow. Are you watching the video as well? No, I'm not watching the video. I'm just, I'm just. We're we're both in shock. We're both loving it. Oh. The Bollywood version of uh, video killed the radio star. There. Absolute banger. Oh, Replaces the OG yeah. for me Big here and child. now. Oh. It is eight to five. The panel. Kia ora, Tomaki Makoto. We understand some of you may be considering your career options at present, quote unquote. That from an ad, a half-page ad in the New Zealand Herald taking a subtle swipe at Auckland's new mayor, Warren Brown. The ad suggests, sorry, Wayne Brown, excuse me. The ad suggests Aucklanders get in touch with Economic Development Agency, Wellington NZ. The ad is signed off by a new Wellington mayor, Tori Farno, who happens to be with us now. Tori, kia ora. Welcome to the panel. Oh, kia ora. Thanks for having me. And congratulations. Look, let's face it, this is a bit of a subtle troll of our wonderful new mayor, isn't it? 
Oh, just a subtle, light-hearted troll, you know. It's all, it's all, it's all very innocent. Well, the deal is, you're poaching Aucklanders. Why of would we I want am. to move to Wellington? Well, why wouldn't you? It's an amazing city. <laughs> have you talked? Have you? Uh, my <laughs> my producer says I agree in my um, ears. Have you <laughs> talked with Wayne Brown about this? Oh, look, no, I haven't. Um, but I've talked to a lot of businesses around Wellington, and what we're hearing is that we're crying up for some new talent, whether it's IT, gaming, hospitality, and as you can see, we're looking for some bus drivers as well. Uh, and I'm seeing a bit of a narrative up there that perhaps people might be getting fired, and what I'm saying is, no, my hi to my, come to Wellington, would love to have you. I, I actually think this might build on a tradition of um, trying to poach Auckland talent. I don't know if anyone else remembers, there used to be a billboard on the motorway um, heading south, that said, if you lived in Tauranga, you'd be home by now, which I thought was a great, a great billboard. Um, but no, I think it's it's a good move to Raj. You're, you're Wellington based. Your thoughts? Oh, I um, um, this was um, I'm actually just baffled that uh, what I wanted to say was, um, can I come back on this? Sorry, I'm just a bit lost. I was. Uh, no worries at all, uh, Tori. I, I want to ask you, uh, Tori, because um, Wayne Brown uh, has asked the board of directors of Ekipanuku Development to res- resign, and there's some real heavyweight talent around the table. Are you open to them calling you or having a discussion with them? Absolutely, and that was uh, one of the points of the ad is, we, yeah. you know, um, it does look like the Auckland Council might lose some incredible talent. Uh, and here in Wellington, we've got a lot of work uh, to do over the next decade, so we'd love to have them. Yeah, because the challenges, um, let's face it, Tori, are quite considerable, not just for Wellington but for many uh, councils. But getting business humming in the capital will no doubt need to be one of your goals. Absolutely. Um, and I spoke at the Chamber of Commerce, uh, spoke with them and their members this morning, uh, and one of the things that was brought up was how are we going to attract talent to Wellington? How are we going to retain talent? Um, and um, our council is very much committed. So this advert was part of a wider program to just attract more talent to improve our local economy. Um, we know that we're going to see significant growth with our tech sector as well. Uh, and I want uh, Wellington to be the tech capital of, of New Zealand. Um, and the best way to do that is to bring more people here. Well, I'd just like to um, celebrate, Tori, because um, the approach you're taking. Um, I'm a resident of Auckland and um, I wonder what uh, what the impact will be of these ultimatums that are being thrown happy around by our new, new, happy our new mayor. Happy with the new Not who I voted for, to be honest. Um, mm. And and I do wonder at this approach of um, of these sort of big statements, big I statements, whether or not that's the kind of um, collaborative, open, welcoming approach that's going to get the best from the best. Raj, do I, you love your city? Yeah, sorry, I was responding to a text there. I... Um, <laughs> Uh, an emergency text. But what I wanted to say was I love Tory's approach. And what struck me was, is this, I don't know a great deal about Wayne Brown, but what struck me was, is this a more doable version of, um, you know, uh, whenever Americans are disgruntled about what's going on there, they kind of decide to move to Canada and without <laughs> ever asking Canadians what, how they feel about it. And, you know, and whether, without even... in investigating whether it's possible but this this is actually doable 
and we would welcome you and um you know you'd be discovering this great city so this is actually a doable version of moving to canada all right hey, totally to- is. Fano, kia ora. all the very best to you thanks for being with us uh this afternoon uh you have loved this Bollywood version of um, video killed the radio star. Someone says here, start a campaign to make that version of video killed the radio star Christmas number one of the charts. So we're going to play a bit more of it for you, a bit longer than usual. Raj Chakrabori, thanks for spinning the spice and the magic this afternoon for us. Kia ora, Wallace. Kia ora, Joe. And thanks to you too, Joe. You've been wonderful. Thanks, Wallace. Thanks, And Raj. let's have more of video killed. The radio star, here we go, taking us into checkpoint. <laughs> 